0: Hello Woodland community, this is Pastor Brian and you are listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast episode 058. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, wouldn't it be great if we could always have our cake and eat it too? Some things in life are a both-and proposition, but for others, we have to make a choice. Which option deserves our attention? Which choice would be better in the long haul? Sometimes these fork-in-the-road moments are bigger than you think. Let's dive in. Is anybody like me where if somebody asked you would you like cake or would you like ice cream? You say yes please. I mean if I have the choice of one and the choice of the other why not just give me both? Don't tell anybody at the gym that I use that as an example to introduce a sermon. Sometimes however it is not so simple. We can't Speaking of, we can't keep ourselves in shape and binge watch Netflix 24-7. We can't drink coffee and expect to go to sleep most of the time. We can't live a life of meaning and at the same time blow off everybody around us. Sometimes, some things in life are an either-or proposition. You get one or you get the other. Some things are both and you can have your cake and your ice cream abundant life comes in knowing which one is which and how that works and the wisdom of knowing which which one qualifies let's pray together god always we thank you for the gift of your word we thank you that sometimes you teach us in parables, sometimes you teach us in stories, sometimes you just tell us what you're talking about. Make it easy. Even in those simple times, Lord, transform us through it. Amen. Well, as I pray, if you're one who likes straight answers, Jesus, just tell me what you want me to know. You're going to appreciate this intersection between Jesus and this young man. Because, yes, sometimes Jesus does teach in parables. Sometimes he teaches sort of going, beating around the bush, if you will. And sometimes, he just comes right out and says what you need to know. And the good thing is, for those who like that kind of thing, this is one of those stories. Out of Matthew's Gospel, there's, there's a, an equivalent in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but I'm just going to read Matthew's version today. The story goes, And someone came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to Jesus, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, Also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to Jesus, I have kept all of these. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. And then Jesus said to the disciples, Truly I tell you, It will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded and said, Then who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I have to hand it to this story. Because for once, I, may, I think maybe of one other instance, we have this elite young man, religious elite Pharisee, if you will, who is asking Jesus some honest questions. I, I draw that information out of, uh, about who this person is, actually from Luke's version. As I said, there are parallels in three of the Gospels. So we know this is a guy... That has some things going for him. The way Luke puts it, he is a rich young ruler. Rich, he's a man of means. He's been blessed in that sense. And, and back then, especially short-sighted and really incorrect as this may be, being rich was seen as being blessed. The two were, really went hand in hand with each other. And so he's, he's looked at as a blessed guy. He's young, so he's, we assume, got some health to him. And he's a ruler, which is synonymous with, he's a religious leader. He's probably a member of the Pharisees. He's a smart guy, one of the elite. And yet there's this itch that he can't seem to scratch. That he's like, you know what, I've got all this going for me, but something seems to be missing. And I'm not really sure what it is. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, what is it that I need to do? What I want eternal life. I've got all this stuff, but it just doesn't seem like I've, I've got that missing piece. Whatever it is, and Jesus is certainly a good one to go to for answers about such a such a topic. But as much as this young man has going for him, there seems to be a few things that are a little out of whack, that are not quite lined up right. And maybe it's because he's young. Maybe it's because he's rich. Maybe it's because he's a part of the religious elite, maybe all three. But at least he's starting by going to Jesus for the answer. So let's take a look at some of the things that he might have a little out of whack and how that might help us line things back up in a way that brings us to life. First off, he thinks, this young man, he thinks he can earn salvation. He can earn heaven. Eternal life. Put in whatever word, noun you want to, that fits that bill. Look at the look at what he asks Jesus when the conversation starts off. In uh, verse 16, Teacher, what good deed must I do to attain eternal life? Says it all right there. What must I do? What part do I play in this? When the credits are rolling at the end of this movie, where is my name going to be? on the list. What do I do? Thinks he can earn it. Now, I'm going to take a a bit of a sidetrack here for a minute. Hang with me. If I were to go across the street, up to the high school, and talk to the track coach, I am sure he would be a man who would value hard work. That he would expect his athletes to put the work in, put in the sweat, in order to, to do well. There is a place in the world for hard work and for, for doing our best and trying to be excellent in all we do. But the question this man is trying to ask Jesus is like trying to take one of those track stars from the high school and have him jump the Grand Canyon. No Olympian has a 15-mile long jump. That's what he's asking. What can I do? How can I train myself better to be able to do this impossible task. Here's the fact. Salvation is received, not achieved. It's a gift. It's not something we accomplish. But Jesus indulges the question. It's okay. Here's what you do. Here's how you get started. We'll put it that way. Follow the commandments. And it's interesting, really, to note which commandments he gives this young man as a as a, a, a path to pursue. Because if you look at the Ten Commandments, and his, Jesus is drawing from the Ten Commandments, there's a couple of them that are entirely about you and God. Love God, you know, don't take the Lord's name in vain, keep the Sabbath holy. And then there are those that relate to how we interact amongst each other, horizontally. Don't murder, don't do, um, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't steal. And all the examples that Jesus gives are from that category. How we interact with each other. Interesting. Especially if, if salvation, which he's trying to go after, is something that comes by faith. By something that happens really between you and God. But when somebody has that real faith, it spills out into how we are with each other. How we treat each other. How we care for one another. How we deal with things when relationships go wrong. And you you know, you put enough humans in a room together, sometimes things stir up. So he asks him, do these things. Show some evidence of this saving faith that you've got. Now why would he maybe exclude in this conversation all of the whole honor God commandments that are out there? Well, I'm going to hypothesize a little bit Remember, this is a, a guy who is religious elite. I mean, he's, he's the pastor. He's the, the priest. And I'm gonna, I'll use the word pastor because I'm not going to exclude myself from this. But when it comes to all the love God, do good things between you and God, it's real easy to fake it. I mean, you can do all the right things and totally have your heart in the wrong place. Nobody knows Nobody's any the wiser. When it comes to us, you know, dealing with each other, especially as life happens and, you know, you're in a relationship with for months and years and things aren't always honeymoon, it's very easy to see if there's a change in your life, how you react, how you re- react, how you respond to, to people. When it comes to, to loving God, all you have to do is know the right formula, know when to stand, know when to sit, know when to kneel, depending on your tradition, and you could fake everybody out. There is no way his religious elitism is going to win the day here. That he's going to be able to hide behind that. Kind of sounds a little bit out of whack. And really, it's an honest way of saying that yes, his priorities are pretty out of whack. Jesus goes really straight for the heart as the conversation goes on. Because the man said, you know, all of these I've done well. And maybe he has. And Jesus says, okay, fine. You've got this don't kill thing down. You've got this don't steal thing on lock. Now, let's see where your heart is. And he pulls out the big guns. He says, Jesus probably knows how much is in his bank account. He says, sell all that you have, give the money to the poor, and come follow me. Even though I don't have a place to lay my head. You know, the dens, the foxes have dens, the birds have nests. I have no place to lay my head, Jesus says. In another story of right around those times, like I was talking to the kids, where he tells people, follow me. It's not going to be easy. And this man starts to be left in a bit of a quandary. Now, let me put this out there just Because it's the elephant, it can be the elephant in the room. Jesus is not dissing this man, is not calling this guy out because he has a lot of zeros in his bank account. Being rich, having means, let me put it that way, does not make a person evil any more than being poor makes a person super spiritual. The two are not mutually exclusive, I'll put it that way. There are many people throughout God's book that have. They're rich by any standard. Abraham, David, Solomon, Joseph of Arimathea, and and many others that I'm probably skipping at the moment. The point that he's making is, let's get down to, let me say this another way. God blesses those people, those characters, some maybe whom we know in our own life. Blesses them with means so that they can be a blessing to others. Not so that they can appreciate the gift more than they appreciate the giver. This young man, this man, goes away now. Because he's like, you know what, I'm at this crossroad. I've got to choose basically between, do I want the means, do I want the money, or do I want to follow Jesus? He's like, I can't, he ends up almost being pinned in a corner. And he decides, you know what, my heart says, I want the money, I want the means. And he goes away sad. He can't give up the money to follow Jesus. If you will, he he wants one foot in what the world considers valuable and great and abundant life. And he wants one foot in what God calls valuable and abundant life. He wants one foot in each world. So he's split down the middle. And this is one point where one half plus one half does not make one whole. Because he's split. the world and choosing to follow Jesus. And let me say this as well. This is not the only alternate God that people can worship. That people can choose to put to nudge God out so that this gets priority. Sure, people can bump God into playing second chair for money. Put money above that. We can also put relationships above it. We can put a job above it, our reputations above it, the circle of friends that we hang out with, we can put all of that above God in our priority list. Making them gods that we worship instead of the one true God. But the good thing is all is not lost. As Jesus says, the last point that I'll make, there is still hope. Out of verse 26, Jesus looked at at the, his disciples who are asking him, who are in this quandary now. He's basically said, you know what? No. They're kind of like, well, who in the world can be saved? He says, with mortals, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. All things are possible. The fact is, nobody on their own is able to jump the Grand Canyon. To use my track example, nobody would choose God by default, over anything. If a person ends up choosing to follow Jesus, choosing God, it's because God has done, has been working in the background, and has, has brought things to that point. As we see in John 6, Jesus, Jesus is saying, No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. Now, the fact is, I'm gonna kind of shift direction a little bit here. We can use that as an excuse to not tell anybody about Jesus. To not tell anybody about God. Because hey, you know what? It's, it's not gonna happen unless God does it. But let me tweak that idea a little bit. Let me tweak that excuse a little bit. We'll call it what it is. That, that very truth, that if somebody comes to God, if somebody comes to God, it's because God has been working, gives us the freedom. To be able to share who Jesus is. To share the abundant life that he gives. If there's the person that you think would never accept Christ into their life, it's not dependent on whether you have the right words or the right argument to give them to make them believe. It's because God's at work. The God who always shows up. If you think there's the person whose life cannot be changed because they're so far gone and you know off in the wrong direction, it's not. It's not based on whether or not you can persuade them to do it. It's built on what God does, the God who always shows up. We always have everything we do when we're telling people about who Jesus is, who God is. It's always with God right there, watching our back. So if there's a person you think there's no way in the world they'd ever even turn over their shoulder to look and think maybe there is a God, it's not, built, it's not all based on can you make it happen. It's based on what God does right there behind you, the God who always shows up. Those are the results don't depend on us. And so I have two challenges, if you will, for our next steps for this week. I think I kind cover both of the different directions that I've gone here. The first one is a tough question to ask yourself, but it's good to do it. Ask yourself this question and answer it honestly. Is there anything that has nudged God out of the driver's seat in your life? Is there anything that has nudged God out? Taken priority for this young, young rich ruler, it was the money. But as I said, we can be so creative about the alternate gods that we can create. Here, and here's the trick. The things that may pop into your head, and if something pops into your head, good. Because that takes whatever that is, and it brings it to the light where God can deal with it for you. So long as those things stay hidden, or stay off in the closet, or we never talk about them, they will still do the bad things that they do. You just won't deal with it. But when we name it, all of a sudden now God we, it literally brings it out into the light. God can start to deal with it. And the thing is, there can be good things that pop into your head that can still be things that nudge God out of the driver's seat, out of the priority seat. Serving other people can nudge God out, believe it or not. Doing ministry, I'll be honest with you, sometimes even there's a danger... Preaching the gospel can nudge God out. So I gotta pray for me that I don't end up making it about, making Sunday about the sermon instead of about worshiping God. Raising kids, grandkids, great as that is and God honoring as that is, can nudge God out. And so my point in saying, what is this thing that maybe nudges God out? is not to say it needs to be squashed like a bug. It comes with this prayer. God, help me find the proper place for this in my life. Because again, it could very well be a good thing that you're doing. It just needs to be in its right place. And so pray, as that thing maybe pops into your head, pray, God, help me find out where this fits so that it can... Still be good, still be honoring to you, and doesn't nudge you out of the place you deserve. Here's the second challenge, going in that, that other direction. Just because it's good for us, I'm gonna re-put up verse 26. I told you this was gonna come up an awful lot, and it's not, it's by design. For mortals, it is impossible, but for God, all things are possible. Is there anybody that is in your life, community, around your street, at the workplace, whatever, you look at it and you go, I have this moment of pause before I would ever invite them to Easter. I'm hesitant for some reason. Maybe you think they're going to turn you down, maybe you think they're going to s- slam the door in your face, whatever. Anything that can make you hesitant to tell them about Easter, that's the person to hold in your head while you're While this is going, while I'm saying this, I want you to give, I want to give you two bits of hope around this. The first is, if you tell somebody about Jesus, invite somebody, it's kind of the engine I'm using here, and they slam the door in your face, shut you down, turn you out, God will never hold that against you. Simple as that. Second thing, as John 6 says, Sometimes before a person actually comes to know Jesus, comes to show up at a church, comes to show up at a game potluck, God's been doing, God does work in the background, behind the scenes. And it could very well be God has been doing that work behind the scenes and just there has to be somewhere for that leading to to take some action. That perhaps just like the rich young man, He's like, I there's something not quite there. I'm missing something. I'm not sure what it is. Sometimes that happens. Maybe before you become a Christian, you know sort of what that feels like. I know from my own story. I knew when I went to college, I'm like, I want to find out what I believe about God, but I'm not sure where that's gonna lead. In hindsight, I'm sure God had been working for a lot, lot of years behind the scenes prepping things, grooming things, if you will. And I needed that that invitation to to put some action to it. Hey, you may not, I'm not saying to do it this way, but you may not know that God's been working on you for the last year, but here's an invitation to come see what he's about at Easter. Maybe that is the thing that just tips him over the edge. Easter's coming up in three weeks. April 21st. Take the shot at it. Make that invite. Give God a chance to pull off an all things are possible moment in your life. Thanks again for listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Wood Lane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodland Worship Podcast.